Welcome to Lay of the Brand, where we talk with the experts on tech marketing, creative, and PR to learn what's new, what's working, and what's next. I'm Peter Jacobs with Merit Group. The metaverse is, we hear, the next frontier for creators, online audiences, and brands. But with nearly 200 companies involved in building or maintaining the metaverses that currently exist or are under construction, exactly what that will look like is still unclear. Is the metaverse just another way to monetize eyeballs in a market that's always looking for the next big thing, or is it a totally new way of looking at interactivity and engagement? And what can marketers be doing now to make sure they aren't left behind? Well, to find out, we're talking with Yashar Bazadi, CEO of synthetic data technology developer Synthesis AI. Yashar, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, Peter. Wonderful to be here. Yashar, there's just so much talk about the metaverse and what it means to brands. In your view, where's it headed? Well, first of all, maybe it'd be helpful to define the metaverse, I think, because <laughs> I think people have different definitions and, you know, it's kind of this nebulous term that gets tossed around. And I think that one of the kind of frameworks I like for the metaverse it, that is becoming more popular and uh, a number of other folks have kind of spoken with this kind of framework as well. It's not really a place, but it's really a time, right? And if you think about how our lives have kind of moved from the real to the digital, it's been a continuum ever since televisions were first introduced, right? And then, uh, and then computers and then mobile phones and then social media and web too. So we're slowly spending more and more time in this online space. Now, I think when the crossover event happens is really when we start spending more time in the digital realm than we do in the real world. And then when we do that, then we start valuing things in the digital realm, perhaps more than we do in the real world, right? So then you're going to see a really big, strong kind of uh, drive and a kind of change in the value of, of these digital goods and these digital worlds for how it you know interacts with our lives. So I think I really like that definition because it makes it less of a also in this new thing that's popped up and we're all making this, you know, changeover to this thing that's been happening to us for over generations. And it's kind of a natural consequence of our increasing engagement into the digital world. So you're seeing it more as evolutionary than revolutionary. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then in addition to that, I think there are obviously a number of technologies that under, you know, underpin the metaverse. Uh, you know, we kind of, I think most people probably think of it as AR, VR, and we're going to put headsets on and run around, but I think it's broader than that. I think it is more about kind of immersive experiences uh, that can exist in different platforms, right? Uh, and, and these immersive experiences are gonna be powered by all types of interesting technology uh, that we can talk about and kind of what that means and, and kind of what synthetic data kind of fits fits into that. But maybe I'll, I'll pause there and then if, if we want, we can dive into some of these core underlying uh, technologies as well. Well, that is something that I, I would like to talk about because if you wanna reach specific audiences, there's kind of a chicken and egg thing where you've got the need for technology to make the metaverse work, but you also need a reason for people to want to use those technologies and actually participate. So where do you start? And what do marketers need to be thinking about how they promote what's going on? Do they say, hey, you should buy these, these VR goggles and then you'll be in the metaverse? Or is it more, here's the thing you can do, but in order to do that, there needs to be the underlying platform and the tools. Yeah, no, it's a great. It's a great question. I mean, I think maybe the way to think about it is, is first kind of imagining what kind of applications are emerging, right? And then kind of working backwards from that and saying, okay, how do you then intersect it today to make sure you're in a good position in the future? So I think I think it's probably useful to kind of break it down in terms of different categories, right? I think uh, there are some interesting productivity things that are going to be coming, you know, with 
metaverse type applications. Now, if you imagine, and this is going to be a little bit of an imagination exercise because I think it's useful to provide guidance. Um, but one of the things a lot of people are trying to work on is, you know, what happens when you have a virtual workspace, right? So you can put a set of goggles on and all of a sudden you don't need a monitor. You can put a monitor, any size monitor in front of you that you want, any ideal workstation that you want, any combination of applications that just exist around you in a more immersive way, right? So I think that's going to change what productivity looks like, right? How do you how do programmers program and, and content providers cut great content, uh, right? When you can be mobile and in anywhere and have any ideal setup uh, available to you, right? So that's one way of thinking about productivity. Obviously, the interaction model, you know, Zoom will be different, right? When things are much more natural and interaction and, and spatial and kind of immersive uh, on the productivity side. Uh, I think obviously the exciting area is entertainment and media, uh, because there, there's, I think, going to be a number of really interesting types of things that are going to uh, be possible. Uh, with these new emerging technologies. I mean, I've heard a couple and, and with these, a lot of these come through us as people trying to build these systems. Uh, so for instance, I think you're going to see hyper specialized and hyper targeted advertising. So when you see an ad, it's going to be maybe you in the ad, right? <laughs> Instead of some generic person driving the next, you know, Tesla, it'll be you driving the Tesla and allow you to kind of step into that environment and kind of engage, right? It's going to be super specialized for, for you, right? And then also I think, where we've talked, we've talked to a number of Hollywood studios, right? And, and what they're considering is well, how, what happens if we fully can digitize parts of the movie and allow a user to step into that seat, freeze time, walk around, you know, watch it from different viewpoints, right? You're going to see different kind of immersive sports applications, right? What happens when you can digitize a, a sports game in real time and as a user be able to step into any player's eyes and see the, see the game from their perspective in real time, right, as these things come. And so I think you're going to see really interesting kind of immersive deeply uh, engaging kind of interactions in the entertainment space. Um, of course, social and gaming, I think that's where I think people naturally go. Uh, you're going to be walking around as an avatar and talking to people and doing some interesting things. And then, of course, there's like education and what's going to happen there as you build more of these engaging uh, applications. So I think there's going to be those types of applications, and they're going to be driven by, obviously, advances in hardware, you know, kind of AR, VR kind of uh, accessories, but then also core AI, right, to be able to do these build these kind of systems you need ai systems that can recreate the spatial environment with great detail they can recreate the person and in great detail and the nuances of their interactions and their emotions and uh, things like spatial audio and things like uh you know really detailed emotion kind of recognition are all going to be required to build this and that's what we ultimately do we provide the necessary data to help other companies build these fundamental kind of ai elements to then power the applications so thinking about what brands should be trying to do now, since this is the early days and it's been described as the Wild West out there, you, uh, where brands are rushing in and buying up digital real estate, are they getting ahead of where the market is? Or is the idea to, to try and lay a foundation for what might be coming? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's wise to immerse themselves and kind of learn about this, this space, right, at a, at a minimum. Uh, I think... You'll, you'll always see kind of you know, cycles, people will jump in, there'll be certain applications that perhaps people predict will be the next big thing, but it's always something else that you haven't quite predicted as, as people understand the medium and understand kind of the use cases. But I think it's wise for brands to, to engage and definitely be involved and understand both where the technology is potentially going and where a couple of applications might emerge in that space, but also understanding the users in this environment. How do people interact? What do they want to see? You know, do we do users really want to see advertising everywhere surrounded by virtual billboards? Probably not. Do they 
on, on one side. On the other side, they probably do want, you know, the ability to try products virtually or, you know, engage them in, in various kind of interesting ways. Uh, so I think there's just going to be the spectrum of approaches to, to metaverse. Uh, and brands within the metaverse. And it's going to take some experimentation, I think, for brands to really understand what's going to resonate uh, with, with their customers. Do you see opportunities for startups in this world? Or is it really the big players, the tech giants, and the brands with a lot of money? Oh, no, it's definitely startups. I think, I think that whenever you have an emerging uh, technology, uh, startups are tend to be closer, right? They tend to be hyper-focused. Uh, they tend to move a little bit quicker, be a little more agile. Right. So I think you're going to see some of the you know, emerging applications and use cases and kind of novel ways of engaging users coming from the startup community. Of course, that also once that's kind of proven, then the brand, the larger brands obviously can step in and kind of supercharge that and grow it. And I think we've seen that a bit right now. I think probably one of the companies that's out on the forefront here is Nike. You know, they bought a startup recently that's doing a lot of really interesting things in the space. Right. And metaverse NFTs and kind of Web3. Web3 uh, areas, but I think that's the way you're going to see a lot of companies, I think, especially bigger startups and, and more established brands really enter the space by kind of either mimicking what's working with the smaller stage or buying companies in that area or perhaps innovating themselves if they have those types of teams in-house to, to think through uh, novel engagements. There's so many different parts to creating a metaverse and there's multiple metaverses, which is also part of the issue that there's probably going to be a lot of issues related to coordination between all of the technology providers and, of course, all of these metaverses. Are people going to need to have multiple interfaces or understand multiple ways of interacting in this metaverse versus that one? Isn't that going to complicate things for brands that are trying to draw people in to participate in a consistent way? Yeah, no, of course. I mean, it's natural, I think, for, for companies building these big metaverses to close them at some level to obviously monetize them best and obviously control the technology and experiences. But that's not much different than, I think, uh, you know, the Facebooks and, you know, of the world today. And, and there's, there are fairly closed ecosystems, uh, right? And, and brands have to operate differently, you know, within each of these particular properties, right, to kind of, you know, uh, push forward their engagement and and understand so whether you're TikTok or Facebook or you know kind of traditional uh, kind of Google AdWords, you know, and you're kind of your brand figure, not your your space there or YouTube, you do have to hyper specialize and kind of create different kind of offerings within those platforms. Now the hope is, I think, in the future that you you do get some interoperability right across these platforms because I don't think from a user perspective, you know, they want to have you know one identity, one place, and you know one avatar, one place, one set of properties and you know, digital goods in one area and then have to replicate that, right? So I think it's going to be a little bit of a, a balance uh, and kind of maybe a tug of war between folks uh, who want to create the closed ecosystem so they can monetize it the best and, and users who want to live across the ecosystem. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, it's not clear to me exactly which, which way that's going to tip. For B2B users, the things I've heard most discussed are virtual conferences and events and the ability to deliver an immersive demo at a distance. I can picture the demo part, and I'd like to talk about that in a moment, but first, let's talk about the virtual get-togethers. Will they provide the kind of connection that you get when you're together in person, a whole bunch of people in a room, listening to a speaker, and then afterwards going to the reception and one-on-one -on -one talking with people? Yeah, I think we'll, we'll get closer. I mean, it's obviously very hard to, to replicate you know, uh, direct social interaction and the nuances of, 
you know, uh, facial expression and body posture and, you know, touch, obviously, and, and spatial audio. Those things are going to be very hard things to, to replicate. Uh, but I do see the technology getting to a point that it's going to feel a lot more immersive than a Zoom call. Right. So I think, and, and, and the thing that's going to drive that, I think, is, is going to be this ability to, in a more nuanced way, capture facial uh, features and hand gestures and body posture, right? And, and create these avatars that feel more real. Uh, spatial audio will be a key component of that, as you know, if someone's, if you're whispering to someone next to you versus, you know, you're talking to a room or listening for someone in a room, you know, th there is an inner element here of, of space and environment. So uh, I think that's going to be very helpful. Uh, to kind of build and bridge bridge that gap. I mean, there's I don't think you'll ever replace human interaction, you know, and I, I think that's a good thing. We shouldn't, uh, but I think you're going to get some more immersive experiences that make these things more, more obviously efficient and more natural. What about the demo side of things? Is that something that you would consider a useful application of the metaverse? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think from if you think of both from a B2B perspective, but also a consumer to product perspective, you know, if you're thinking about buying a particular, you know, I'll, I'll take the vehicle example and being able to step into it, feel it, touch it, you know, uh, look around, you know, have it really this immersive kind of experience uh, that's going to help you, I think, you know, really understand that product right now from a B2B perspective, there are different products I think are naturally going to lend themselves well into this, this digital space. It, you know, if it's a digital product, obviously it's going to be you know much more, uh, much simpler to kind of demo and to kind of engage if it's a physical product. Uh, you know, perhaps we'll get to a place that we have good haptic feedback and, you know, you can kind of, kind of demonstrate some of those elements, but that'll be interesting. Um, and also, as I mentioned earlier, I think from a B2B work perspective, I think productivity is a big piece, right? Uh, thinking about replacing the monitor with something, you know, more engaging uh, from an area of which you can kind of uh, work, I think it would be pretty interesting and compelling. You know, I'm thinking about the world as it is now, where people are so remote. And if you could actually replicate a collaborative environment in some way better than video chats or using instant messaging, but to give people the opportunity to kind of be in the same room virtually and brainstorm and bounce ideas off each other, you might be able to return to some of that capability that you had before. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think once it feels more natural, I think that's definitely going to drive the engagement and people's willingness uh, you know, to, to do more in the digital space uh, beyond Zoom, right? Obviously, Zoom is very limited in its, its interaction model. The technology, of course, has to keep evolving very quickly in order to keep up with this. There's a lot of demand for capability, but there's also the obsolescence of these tools. As soon as somebody's, it was just like with, with computers, as soon as somebody releases the latest model or phones, they're obsolete. So at what point do people jump in and at what point do marketers say, okay, we've got uh, sufficient critical mass behind what's going on here that it's time to really start pushing? At that point, it's obvious, I think, that it's occurred, right? I, I think the, the tricky thing for marketers and brands is how do you know when to get in before that moment, right? You know, <laughs> and, you know so, and that's, it's going to be a little bit nuanced with specific use cases. And obviously, there are going to be things like gaming and social experiences and things that will probably lead to charge or dry on particular consumers. I think productivity will, might lag uh, as these tools require maybe a lot more depth, but ultimately it's, it's going to come down to the experience and the value of these experiences, you know, in the, once it like, exactly. So once it feels more natural to have an interaction model in this new kind of domain, right? This metaverse domain versus zoom, they're, they're very low switching costs, 
right? You know, instead of clicking on the Zoom link, you click on the other link and it, you get more out of it. So I, I think you're going to see kind of quick adoption uh, with some of these things. Uh, of course, things that are uh, hardware independent, if you don't have to have a particular headset or, you know, particular uh, set of devices, obviously it's going to be easier, going to move people over faster, right? So I think you're going to see the switch over happen pretty quick uh, once those applications uh, emerge and the value is clear. You mentioned earlier about the specificity and the personalization of advertising and in fact, being able to put people into the ads themselves, but how do you balance giving users what they need and want with providing the security and privacy that they need? Because that's so important in the customer experience, not just to protect PII, but because it is part of the experience and people will be thinking about it. When you have technology that can capture biometrics and location and demographics and behaviors, are we introducing way too much risk? Yeah, that's a great question. I think with every new technology, there's always this trade-off of value versus versus privacy, right? I mean, the same thing was said when social media and kind of social networks first started. Are we people are going to be willing to put their faces online and open up their lives, right, to to the broader a broader audience? You know, I think once the value is there, people get more comfortable doing that. But I think with, as we build these type of metaverse applications, it's the same, the same ethical questions are around, you know, what kind of protections should exist, you know, what kind of explicit, you know, uh, permissions and opt-ins need to be in place, right? What kind of protections need to build in place? What kind of oversight needs to be there to kind of, pro, uh, you know, protect folks in this space, but ultimately it's going to be up to the user, right? right? I think, I think that's the way to think about it is that companies should always kind of operate with, privacy and security in mind. Uh, and if the user decides then they want to open up uh, and share some of these elements, then it should be explicit. I think I think where you get into trouble is when users don't know, right? And, and kind of the, that information is used without their knowledge, right? But if they're opting in and there's value derived, then, you know, that's, you know, some contract essentially between the user and, and the platform that they're willing to, to make this, this trade off. But I think it needs to be explicit and, and companies need to proactively put in the protections, right, for, for the consumer and give them the choice. It's all part of that customer experience. So perhaps there needs to be a GDPR set of rules for the metaverse. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think once you think of digital avatars, I mean, there's kind of two camps, right? There's the photorealistic avatar of me, which I think from a user's perspective, you want to have some certification that it is you, right? So being have, having that biometric authentication is helpful because now when you're talking to me in my digital version, then you know it's actually me, right? It's not somebody spoofing me, right? There's some, some protection there. So in that case, biometric authentication is used very useful, right? Because it actually protects me. And there are other places, like I think in terms of other avatars that, you know, you're a cartoon, more cartoonish or expressive kind of avatar that you want to use in a game or some other kind of element. And there you perhaps don't want to be recognized as you. Right. So, so there you want your privacy, you want this have alter ego. Right. So again, it's really around having the infrastructure in place to support these things and, and maintaining privacy and security, but giving the consumer the choice to leverage one or the other in a particular use case. You just made me think of a situation where that information allows for pervasive marketing, both inside the metaverse and outside you click on something or you see something on your desktop or laptop or your phone, and maybe you're invited to, hey, check this out in our metaverse space, or you're inside the metaverse, you do something. When you come back out, hey, there's ads for something related on your phone or your computer. That's par for the course today, right? Yeah. <laughs> for these digital platforms. So that's probably, you know, something that will, will definitely happen in this space as well. You know, I, I again, I think it's, 
it should be more user focused. I mean, I think I think spamming people with ads left and right across all medium is not necessarily the most useful way to kind of engage users and build build a relationship with a user. But if you make it more immersive, you make it more interesting, and you're starting to see see this with some brands, right? I think leading the charge on digital properties and you know how do you you know clothing and you know things that you can that users want to engage with because they want to personalize their space or personalize their their avatars or you know uh, you know build a a certain persona uh, in this in this virtual world. Uh, so it's mutually beneficial. The brands obviously get to sell in some elements, build their brand, expose it to others in the community. And the user is willing to engage because that's something that they're, you know, interested in and kind of uh, building uh, as a part of their persona. So I think in that type of relationship is very beneficial and mutual. Again, if you have virtual billboards popping up everywhere and it's just, you know, you can't look two seconds without seeing an ad, I think that's probably a turnoff for a lot of users. So not unlike the current situation, marketers need to pay attention to what the customer is actually interested in and feels comfortable with seeing. It's just as easy, as you say, to spam somebody virtually as it is anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's contextual, if it's targeted, hyper-personalized, then there's a value to the, the, the user, right? So, I mean, so the, all of those things that exist now and kind of drive kind of engagement on the current platforms will be further amplified uh, in, in the metaverse, but it's the same in trade-offs. Yashara, this has been fascinating. Do you have any last thoughts about what brands should be considering as we're pushing towards the metaverse? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, I think it's a it's it's a continuum and it's going to be a, a transition as people really start understanding the utility of the metaverse and these experiences start formulating. I think for brands, it's, it's really important to kind of understand it, you know, think ahead a little bit where things are going to be in two to four years and how best to gain information experience now to help form, you know, form, you know, a viewpoint uh, on kind of how they want to engage consumers in this new medium. Uh, so I definitely encourage that. Uh, and, you know, I'm excited uh, because I think ultimately the foundational technology will open up a lot uh, and these new applications will emerge. And many of them, I'm pretty sure we haven't thought about it, which, which is always, always the case. So uh, excited about the future there. I've been talking with Yashar Bezadi, CEO of Synthesis AI. Yashar, thank you for being here with us. No, oh, wonderful. Thanks for having me. And thank you for joining us. Lay of the Brand is brought to you by Merit Group, an integrated strategic communications firm that blends the best of PR, marketing, and creative to help our clients tell their stories and build business. Got a topic suggestion or want to share feedback? Subscribe to Lay of the Brand on your preferred listening platform and leave us a review. And please spread the word and tell your friends and colleagues to tune in as well. To learn more about Merit Group and the show, check out layofthebrand.com. 